Stories from California Cattle Country is produced by the California Cattlemen's Foundation and receives support from the California Cattle Council. We created this podcast for those wanting to connect with the people and practices of far-flung ranches and dairies in California through hearing stories from and learning more about the families in cattle country. Where should we go to dinner tonight? I haven't really thought about it. What's to think about, Larry? You want to go where you can relax and enjoy a thick, juicy steak? Fresh cut and flame-broiled to perfection. You want to go to... Red. Genghis. <laughs> and right now, you can get our juicy, flavorful top sirloin steak, steamed petite lobster tail, and 12 golden fried shrimp. Complete dinner, all for just $14.99. I don't want to go to... Red. Genghis. Black Angus. If you're In this episode, we visit Rita McPhee from the McPhee Red Angus Ranch in Lodi, California. McPhee Red Angus differs a bit from our typical cattle ranch that it only has red-hided Angus cattle. Commonly, Angus cattle have black hides, and that their business is principally selling bulls opposed to selling cattle for beef. The ranch is about an hour south of Sacramento, and though the address is in Lodi, it exists in a spot bordered by Lockford, Linden, and Lodi. There are two homes on the ranch. I passed the first where Rita and her family live and pulled up to the second, which was a home inhabited by her mother, Nellie, until her passing almost a year ago. We toured McPhee Ranch, their sale barn, pet some horses, and then sat with Rita and her son Royce, where we discussed ranch history, why they prefer Red Angus cattle, and a bit about branding. In speaking with them, it's obvious the family is very important to their operation. It was further evidenced with Nellie's home preserved as it was the day she passed. The McPhees use it as an office of sorts, using the kitchen table to conduct business. It's at this kitchen table where we sit down and speak. I'm Ryan Donahue, and this is Stories from California Cattle Country. Before we dive into the interview, I'd like to do a little primer on the purpose and process of cattle branding. Livestock branding has been going on for millennia. There are Egyptian cave paintings depicting a cattle roundup and branding from 2700 B.C., the practice is still the most common way to prove ownership of cattle today. One would think that over thousands of years of technological advances that this method would have been replaced with something new. As it turns out, traditional cattle branding is still the most efficient way establishing proof of identity of an animal. You may ask, how about ear tags, which ranchers do use for other purposes regularly? Well, they can easily be removed and replaced. Well, how about RFID tags? They're good for pulling up information, but brands necessitate being seen from a distance. This is not to say there hasn't been some technological innovation over the years. Some ranchers have replaced fire brands with electric versions which maintain a consistent temperature. There are also freeze brands which use liquid nitrogen or denatured alcohol, which alters the pigmentation of the animal's hair, making it white. The majority of the ranches I visit use hot brands, whether fire or electric. Now, the brand itself is a series of letters and or numbers and sometimes some characters. Brands are typically read left to right, top to bottom, and sometimes from inside out. The design of a brand must adhere to a myriad of rules to be accepted and registered. Here are a few. They could be quite, well, dizzying. Any letter of the alphabet can be used except Q. The letter Q will never be used because of its similarity to O. The letter G can only be used in the reverse position to avoid confusion with the letter C, which is never reversed. Any numbers except 0 and 1 can be used. Numbers 0 and 1 are registered as the letters O and I. The letter I can only be used without the top or bottom line. The letter J can be used with no top line to avoid confusion with T. The design characters anchor, triangle, diamond, and box can also be used. The letters B, D, E, F, K, and R can be used in the reverse position. The letters A, B, D, E, F, H, M, P, R, S, T, and U can be used in the lazy left position. Lazy right characters cannot be used in new brands. 
One character inside another, inverted characters hanging, walking, or flying in a brand, left to right, cannot be used in new brands. Inverted or upside-down letters and numbers are not allowed on new brands. The running bar with a single character will not be issued for a cattle as a new brand. Cattle brands can be placed in one of three places. Moving from the front to the back of the animal, there's the hip, rib, or shoulder. Now, which side the brand is on the animal does matter. So effectively, there's six places to place a brand. Brands are often designed with the placement in mind to avoid any distortion due to the contours of the area. Often a rancher will invite friends and neighbors who will come and help with the process, with a party to follow. Let's get into the interview with Rita now. Towards the end, she discusses the origins of her family's interest in brand. I'm Rita McPhee. I'm a third generation Red Angus producer in Lodi, California. My family owns and operates McPhee Red Angus. A little bit of history on McPhee Red Angus. It was established by my parents, Roy and Nellie McPhee, in 1971. They went with the purebred Red Angus as their choice of cattle. My dad has always been, was born and raised in the cattle business. He was raised in Missouri in St. Joe um, on a Black Angus ranch. But when he came to California after the Navy, he liked what he saw with the Red Angus and the requirement to register an animal. The animal, you had to submit data in order to register an animal. You just can, all the other breed associations, you just registered it. But Red Angus required a birth weight and a weaning weight to register a calf in at that time. So that impressed him that they were already collecting that type of data. So they grew the herd from 1971 through the years with us four children. We were all born and raised on the ranch and actually became the laborers of the ranch pretty much <laughs> um, as any family business does. So my dad, they used to live over in the Bay Area and looking for larger amounts of pasture to run the cattle. That's how he landed in Lodi. And he also was a banker, so he acquired a job at, at the production credit banking in Stockton. And that's how they moved here to the Lodi area and bought their ranch. So we've been at this current position since 1978. Um, it's eight, an 80-acre ranch that we live on, or we all grew up on, and have run the cattle here pretty much since, since then, 1978. Most of the ranches that I go to have Angus cattle. And... The vast majority of those animals are black-hided animals. And even I went to our last episode was with Tim Curran. He was shipping some cows. I think he brought, he had 66 cows that he had brought up so far. And like two or three of them were red. And it, it's a recessive gene. What are the benefits for, for continuing to work with just red cattle or red angus? I, I think one of the biggest benefits with uh, red angus over the black angus because they're both Angus. So typically they, they have the same genetic potential for higher marbling, but the probably the biggest advantage they have is the high color is red. So they tolerate the heat a lot more. The red cattle will eat when the weather's w warm. They won't go shade up under a tree. Bulls will continue working because they, they just don't absorb the heat like the black cattle. And then one of the other things that have been relayed to me is I think um, the red Angus on a whole Temperament wise, maybe there's a little more docility bred into them or innately in, in them already than some of the black. That all helps whenever you're processing cattle and whenever you're, your animals are at a feedlot, the red cattle stay at the bunk when the truck, the feed truck comes by. Some of the other breed cattle, you know, maybe that are a little more skittish, they'll run to the back of the pen. And it takes them a little while to come back to the feed bunk. So they just kind of stay on feed and keep growing through all that temperament and everything. 
one of the things we we did a sorting pin episode, which is our in, the one Katie Roberti does, which is a you know an industry based podcast, and uh, they were talking about somebody from the like the Angus Association. One thing that's really impressive to me is is the marketing behind Angus. Did that happen around the time that that your family decided to work with Angus, or did that come up? later like where they did they pick the breed because they like the breed or because i think a lot of people now opt into angus because on the supermarket shelf people know what it is and you could call it angus it came after the the black hide push came after and the black hide push predominantly came for, from china wanting the black black hided animal that afforded the black angus to capitalize on that and they do they do have a great marketing program the USDA and some of the branded beef product lines, they say Angus, and that doesn't necessarily mean Black Angus. Red Angus is in the majority of those product lines already. We're just not getting credit for it. That's okay. We're still getting paid for it. We'll let Black Angus continue with their marketing and paying the marketing bill, and we'll just take advantage of, of being a part of it. My parents' main choice for the Red Angus was the performance aspect of it just what they required to register an animal and what they the data they kept track of that was very important to them and red angus is the first breed that it to require total herd reporting and that is when you have a female you have to report every year a what she did whether she had a calf or her calf died or maybe she didn't breed and didn't have a calf you have to report it every year otherwise she gets kicked out of the herd your inventory, and then you have to pay a penalty if you want to bring her back in the next year. And the and the main reason for requirement of that is so we have accurate, up to date data on females. And maybe you don't have a cow that didn't raise a calf for two years, and then she raised two calves that are really good. She's getting way more credit for those two calves that she raised that were good, and not discounted for the two calves or two years that she didn't raise a calf. She just took a vacation. That's the driving force behind choosing Red Angus and staying with Red Angus is the performance data that they require to keep a cow in herd. And then just, you know, the, the other benefits of hide, temperament, they make great cows. Just there's lots of other benefits, but that's the main reason why my parents chose the Red Angus breed, or my dad chose the Red Angus breed. This is something I realized that I haven't really discussed in our podcast. Again, this podcast is intended for people that aren't necessarily in agriculture. And we've yet to actually go to and record a branding to talk about the importance of branding. I noticed you guys have a very interesting brand. I think some people would assume that branding is done because it's always been done and that it's just being old timey opposed to being actually functional. Can you explain what the purpose of a brand is, why it's done, and then maybe just about how your brand and brand design, because honestly, it's fascinating. Well, brands are to show ownership, basically. Whenever, you know, if cattle thief or something like that, you know, animals end up at the sale barn with your brand on it, the brand inspector is asking them for a bill of sale or something like that. They don't have it. They were contacted. We, I mean, know when, if animals have disappeared, where you know, where they end up and stuff like that. So tracking um, ownership, uh, identity, you know, to a particular ranch or breeder and everything like that. I mean, it's not just because everybody and, you know, if an animal gets out on the road or something like that and, unfor- and you know, there's an accident or something like that, you know, you, you know, who's responsible and stuff like that. And our particular brand, my dad came up with it and it, it, it looked, it's an N with the reverse C. He came up with it. It is in question and it was in, hit, in question in his mind 
whether the beef industry or cattle business was going to work for him or be profitable because he was a banker. So it, that's how he came up with the brand. It was in question whether it was going to work. And it and it obviously worked. He, Him and my mother worked very hard and made it very successful. So that's where their brand came up. But I know there's lots of different brands and there's ways you read them from left to right and top to bottom. But ours is ours is pretty simple. And that was the other him picking it too. He wanted something that when it was put on the animal, that it was going to stay looking that way. And when the animal grew, it wasn't going to spread or, you know, get distorted or anything like that. And so he wanted it simple as possible. And you position it on the right, on the right rib. And he just wanted it dead center. So as the animal was walking by, you could see it. One of the overarching things that we talk about, obviously, is legacy. This is, you know, I always say like, I can get another job tomorrow where ranching families are kind of required to have a plan in place to continue the ranch moving along, right? Sometimes we talk about history, but I noticed, especially on your website, that that you guys talk a lot about your parents, Roy and Nellie. Mm-hmm. And I just, they seem like they were a pretty interesting pair. Well, they were a team. That's probably the biggest thing is they were a team. They completely supported each other 100%. And they were obviously a great, great example for us kids growing up. My dad and mom, I mean, they were extremely loyal to each other. And it was family first, their faith in God, they instilled in, in us kids. Uniquely, they all work side by side. And, you know, like any family, people working or ranching, you know, sometimes family working together, you know, there's a bit of friction, you know, there's too many chiefs in the, the mix. And, and, um, but mom and dad never really had that issue. I mean, it was, he let her do her thing and she let him do his thing. And they came together and, you know, were successful with the cattle and raising us as four kids too. And that's one thing that I've kind of always been proud of is we've been raising Red Angus since 1971, you know, as a family operation. There's not many that sustain, you know, 50 plus years family business, even in the livestock industry or any other industry. And so I've been really proud of that. And then just going to Red Angus conventions through the years. And, you know, when we were, my sister and I were kids and going with my parents, we, a lot of those family ranches or kids that we grew up with, they they don't have anything to do with the, the ranch or the cattle or anything anymore. And I mean, I've been really proud that it's been a family owned and operated ranch for this long and continues to be. And dad insight was tremendous on setting this ranch up and my mom for when he passed away that we could continue. He had all his ducks in a row. He was a banker too. He was a banker. Neither him nor my mom were ones that wanted to be in debt to a bank or a company or anybody else or anything like that. They wanted to own it outright and then be able to manage it the way they wanted. But dad was tremendously had it set up. And so when he passed away, mom continued on for 15 more years. And that's huge. I mean, and we, um, you know, for a female to continue on with the ranch that long, and we didn't necessarily grow it in numbers, but we grew genetic wise and the quality kept growing on, on the farm or the ranch and everything in the cattle. And then my mom just passed away, obviously just a year ago and last June. And so we're just coming up on a year of that, but still we're, continuing on. And right now we're maneuvering through continuing the ranch. And my son is going to move into uh, ownership position. Hopefully that, you know, it all works out. And then we get the, all the T's crossed and the I's dotted and it all, it all works out that it continues. So we, you know, working on the, the fourth generation coming in and continuing with 
you know, my sister and I on the ranch. It is a legacy. It's something, and it's something we're all very proud of that we get to be a part of it and, and continue it. And, and I feel a huge obligation to our customers, what we produce and how loyal they are and to keep producing that product for those customers. One thing that's unique about this ranch, um, I mean, this does, it happens every once in a while, but uh, you have an, a website, which is, you know, most ranches don't. Um, I assume it has something to do with the fact that you guys do sell bowls and then, you know, you need a place. But the other thing is that you do have two pages, more. like writings. The one for Roy was beautifully written. I don't know who wrote that. Lee, Lee, Lee Pitt. Yeah, Lee Pitt. Uh, um, what is he? Um, uh, he was the editor of the Livestock Market Digest. This oh. is my sister, Mary. I'm oh, yeah. sorry. Hi, how are you? It's incredibly written. You don't even have to talk about this if you don't want to. It's just that it was on the website and then I saw it, but that you said something about how your dad passed away and was revived. Well, yeah. If he hadn't, if he wasn't at the convention, which he was very dedicated to, you know, being involved in the Cattlemen's Associations and everything and, and doing his part and everything. But if he wasn't at the convention, if he was out in the field or something like that, doing his own thing, it would have been, yeah, we would have lost him. But he was in a place where I think it the I think he refers to three angels: Jerry Maltby, Bev Sparrick, and Rose Burroughs were the three that performed CPR on him until the paramedics, yeah the paramedics came. Yeah. And, and he lived another. Oh, um, that was in the eighties. So yeah, yeah and right. so he passed in oh oh seven oh eight. So if you want, you want um, you can bring Royce in now if he's ready. Okay. <laughs> this is something that comes up at every single interview that I do. And it's always a, it's a big concern for ranchers. And that's basically continuing legacy, right? F having somebody that is all in and willing to to take over. Otherwise, you know, I've seen, you know, and they say sometimes some people are like, oh, you have to do this. Or some people are like, oh, go like go to college and, you know, maybe you can come back. And I asked Rita, did you always know that Royce was all in? And she said, yeah. I, I can have a lot of answers to that, but I think the biggest one is probably when you're raised in something like this and then you kind of, as you get older and you get, you know, more, more experiences and like what this does to you in terms of, you know, whether it's like stress or reward or the, you know, whatever you learn, whether it's, you know, with the cattle or just like social things, you know, how to, how to deal with issues, whatever it might be like. The biggest thing that I think I realized at the end of it is that it teaches you a lot. And I don't know if I could say that if I did anything else from when I was young, whether it was sports or just being even, um, I mean, just anything else, being involved in all sorts of other things. I don't think that anything else would have taught me as much about just life, but then also how to take like a risk reward and then like be content at the end with, you know, the outcome, just being, being happy with what you have. So I think that's probably the biggest thing for me is like, it's a great way of life in terms of just, you know, understanding the way life works and just being grateful overall. So that's probably the biggest thing for me. But then also just this, this simple thing. I really like being outdoors all the time, being outside. Just, I think it's like very, I guess, peaceful. You could say, even if, you know, you're having a tough day working cattle or it's just, you know, it's hot day or a long day, whatever it might be, you know, there's days where you get worn out and you're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore today. I feel like most of the time I'm ready to go back at it again the next day. So even though it's taken me 20 in, in a couple of days, 25 odd years to learn all of this, I think that at the end of the day, I'm just ultimately super grateful for what my grandfather and grandmother started. And then also, I just really enjoy 
the whole package deal that comes with it. It's one of those jobs that are that's it's really kind of interdisciplinary, right? Earlier, you were just banging on stuff. Oh, we don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I'm making yeah. a lot of noise. And then, yeah. Um, but every day is a little bit different, you know. I, when I was talking to Rita, she said that, I said, what made you think that, that he was all in? She says, you, you participate in FFA, I believe. Yeah. yeah. But that... FFA, you, you get, you said ribbons and manners and a lot of people get really into it and that, that your interest is really actually creating an animal, like getting the best animal possible that gives you the best return. Ribbons and, you know, all that and just like winning or getting, you know, um, even just going to some kind of competition and getting some, whether it's reward or praise or something like that. I mean, yeah, that's great. But like, I want to feel like at the end of it that I'm proud of like what I did. And I feel like that is where, especially like with, steers or the, the breeding cattle, whatever it was, the showing and whatnot. It wasn't about like the ribbon. It was just about at the end going like, I did my best. Like I know that the cattle were the best that I could do, you know, whatever the project was. Well, thank you guys for, again, um, this is super last minute. Everything I do is super last minute. And this was super, super well, that, last minute. That's the cattle business. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah that's yeah, definitely the like cattle that. business. Um, um, the yeah. fence broke, you gotta go fix it yeah. last minute. So thank you for accommodating me and allowing us to come and, and visit. It's so beautiful out here. Um, and we had a great time. If you'd like to see visuals from our travels, you can visit our website at www.calcattlecouncil.org or follow us on Instagram at calcattlecountry. We'd love feedback. If there's anything you'd like to hear on stories from California cattle country, you can contact me directly at ryan at calcattle.org. We'll be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening.